Welcome, Dr. Gary Bershears. Come on up and you introduce yourself, okay, please? Yeah. Well, the, the most important thing you need to know about me is I'm a very happy grandfather. Yeah, that's number one. My twin grandsons were born a month ago over in Boise. I was there I, sitting in the, in the labor and delivery room for a long time. Uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, Bethany told Jesse and me, you need to get out because I'm going to try to sleep. So she let us know that, okay, I'm ready to push. And by the time I got back there, uh, Luke had already made his appearance. Uh, and then Thomas showed up shortly after that. So while they're getting Thomas extricated, I'm holding Luke. And uh, they just need to be living in Portland, not in Boise. I. Uh, this topic is one of those topics that just won't go away. Uh, it's not my topic. Uh, it's, it's, it's not by far the most important thing on my redemptive and biblical and discipling agenda, but the culture around us had, has made it a must-respond-to kind of thing. So there's the slide. What's wrong with it? It's got a rainbow. Now, how many are against rainbows? I got to tell. How many are against rainbows? How many read Genesis? Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, just warning, I've got this thing, I ask questions, you answer. You ask questions, I don't answer. <laughs> Not quite. But seriously, what's wrong with this? Marriage is about love, not gender. Well, it depends on who you talk to, of course. <laughs> the, the big thing there is, what does the word love mean? And marriage, as several of you hinted already, marriage is a lot more than just we love each other in the sense that we're drawn to each other. I've been at this marriage thing for over 51 years now. Sherry's got me fairly well trained. Uh, there's just a lot more to it than that. But that's, that's the current thing, and there's all kinds of signs of this effect. Uh, this is Oregon Shakespeare Festival down in Ashland. This is Oklahoma. One slide is from Broadway 1943. One is from Oregon Shakespeare 2018. Notice the difference between them? So when it was done originally, it was a guy and a girl... When it's done now, it's two girls that are in love with each other. And the Will and Ado, Andy, are two guys in that production. See, this is the kind of agenda we're getting is that stuff is being redone to push what I, what I would call the gay agenda. And uh, so what I want to think about is just how to respond to this. And I'm thinking now for believers in Jesus Christ. I'm not thinking about culture wars outside the church, though I'll talk about attitudes toward folk as we go along with this. If you don't have a handout, by the way, you might want to stick your hand up and somebody will get you one. Go ahead and use it. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is probably the most significant book out, Matthew Vines. He is, uh, he is gay affirming. He believes and teaches in this book, and there's also a video with it, that uh, the, 
what, I, what we would call the traditional biblical interpretation of homosexuality is a desperate misinterpretation of Scripture. And what he does in the video that you can see on YouTube by Matthew Vines, which I highly recommend that you watch, it's an hour and eight minutes long, he is standing in front of an open Bible as a professed evangelical, as a Harvard University dropout in a church in front of a pulpit in Wichita, Kansas, saying people have misinterpreted scripture and are bashing gay folk in a way that is ungodly. And he does it very, very effectively. Now, I don't agree with him. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to respond to his arguments. Uh, but the thing of it is, this is not just a bunch of angry at the church type people. These are people in the church saying, you have misinterpreted scripture and you're hurting us in ways that are ungodly. So what I want to do is just think about, as believers in Jesus Christ, how do we understand this whole agenda, and how do we relate to people outside the church in positive kind of ways? So here we go. This is Genesis 1. What do you see here? I mean, this is a familiar passage if you've been here for a while. This is the creation of humankind. And what's the basic structure of creation? What is a couple things that are important about humans? Number one is what? Male and female. And number two is what? Image of God. He's created us to be male and female, and together as male and female, we represent God and carry out his work in the world. That's Genesis chapter 1. I, Genesis 2. It's been saying it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. This is the first not good. And what's the not good? Why should men not be alone? They can't find their socks. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, it's, uh, is good here a moral category? Is the not good a sin category? No, it's not a sin category. It's a functional category. It can't get the job done. What can man alone not do? Well, come back to Genesis 1. Man, a, a male by himself can neither fill the earth with blessable image-bearing covenant partners, nor can we rule effectively. It takes men and women together, and not just husband and wife, but as human beings, it takes men and women together. It's not good for a man to be alone. We need that partnership and we're created to be a sexualized, sexualized is the wrong word, a sexual human beings to do the job. Then he says here, at the end of Genesis 2, where did woman come from? And what does that mean? We're the same essence. Humans, both male and female, are fundamentally persons the gender distinctions are after the fact that we're human. So we're common human, the differences, and that's a different thing, the transgender issue, gender queer and such. But bone of your bone, flesh of my flesh, and the last two verses of Genesis 2, to whom is this written? To whom is Genesis 2.24 written? Is this God speaking to Adam and Eve? No, why not? Why do we know this is not God speaking to Adam and Eve? 
Yep, Adam didn't have a daddy. This is taking the Genesis pattern and applying it to people in general. This is a pattern for the rest of humanity. The Genesis pattern, Adam and Eve, male and female, coming together as husband and wife, is a pattern then that is given to the rest. And the point of marriage is to be this kind of thing where you could be naked. That doesn't just mean physically naked, though it means that. It means being completely vulnerable and completely unashamed. And this is the goal for marriage. I've done quite a lot of weddings over my pastoral life. And the goal is that with all of my shameful stuff, I can be open and vulnerable with my pretty wife because I know that she is unconditionally committed to me and will support me and help me and vice versa. That's the pattern of marriage. So this is the definition of marriage. This is on your handout. Uh, this is a standard definition of marriage, and it's a uh, marriage is a publicly pledged. Are all marriages have a wedding? Do all marriages have a wedding? Not necessarily, but marriages cross-culturally have some sort of a public, it's us together. I grew up in central Missouri, the Ozarks of Missouri, and we had what we call common law marriage, but when two people moved in together, they often didn't, they sometimes didn't do a wedding, but before the community, we're in it, we're married. Marriage customs, wedding customs vary a lot. I was just at a wedding yesterday with a fellow I first met when he was about five years old in Lebanon. His mom is Iraqi via Jordan, and, and then I met her in Beirut, and they're in the United States now. So a Lebanese man married a, a Washingtonian, and it was very fun to see their wedding together, publicly pledged, permanent, exclusive, covenantal union of one man, one woman, and that's the biblical pattern according to Genesis. Do we find that anywhere else in the Bible? Say yes. Now, where? <laughs> where? Matthew. Mm -hmm. Matthew is, uh, is the longer expression of this. And so Jesus speaking here, he's asked about divorce. And this is a hot debate. The early Jewish community that Jesus came into there in the first century was about like our society today. Divorce in many cases was routine, and it was and among some people, it was even easier to get a divorce there than here. Uh, all you had to do was say to your wife three times, I divorce you, and she's gone. And uh, easy divorce in much of the Jewish culture. And, but there was a debate between two schools, and one said divorce is easy, the other said, no, there has to be adultery before there can be divorce. And they brought him, to, brought him into this to, in order to discredit him. What about divorce? And they ask him about the question. His response, where does he go? He doesn't argue Deuteronomy and Talmudic law. He goes to the Bible. Good thing or bad thing? Very good thing. When questions come up, my goal is always let's open a Bible and see what God has to say about it. And what does he say about marriage here? What's the first thing he says about marriage? Male and female. Quoting Genesis 1 male and female. Now in today's society, that's kind of an, a bit of an ambiguous situation, uh, but it's very clear here, Jesus is defining marriage as a male and a female, and what else does he say about marriage? What else does he say about marriage? 
they become one flesh, and that's more than just the physical situation of, of uh, intercourse. What he's saying there, and this is a, I'm going to be, we're doing a starting a sexuality series next month at our church, Grace Community Church in Gresham. And when I do the sermon on good sex, because I think God is absolutely in favor of good sex, it's a sacramental union of one man, one woman, whole person. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. What else does it say? Yeah, there's no divorce. Divorce is always the product of sin. That's Jesus' teaching, and the church has never varied from that, the, the biblical, biblically-driven church. One man, one woman come together as a oneness, and that oneness cannot be broken except by sin. Now, it's not to say divorce doesn't happen. It does, but it's always a product of sin, and that's Jesus' teaching. There's more to it than that. I, well, let me ask you a question here. It's an obvious question. Where, in the, where does Jesus get, and where does Jesus say there can't be gay marriage? Where does Jesus say anti-homosexual? We find it in Leviticus. We find it in Paul. Where does Jesus get down on homosexuality? This is one of the points that Matthew Vines makes. Where does Jesus get down on homosexuality and say, thou shalt not? Leviticus does. Paul does. Where does Jesus get down on homosexuality? Well, if Jesus is not anti-gay marriage, why are we? Well, see, this, I'm, I'm t I've got a hat on here. This is not my view, just to clarify. This is defining the norm, and it's always the norm. If you're pro-gay marriage, that's the exception, not the norm. Jesus is speaking to the norm, and most marriages are going to be husband and wife, but there are always the exceptions, and the exception would be a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, and Jesus is never against it. Why aren't we like Jesus? That's Matthew Vine's argument, and many others. And I think what it is here is to understand a bit of context. And if you look it up, Jesus never speaks anti-homosexuality, or anti-same-sex relationships. Leviticus does, Paul does but not Jesus, but he does. Because here he defines marriage, and let's look here a little bit. Go back four chapters, Matthew 15. What's Jesus talking about here? He, well, he doesn't use the word sin here. What does he use? Defiling things. These are things that defile you. Okay, And that's because... When we sin, it has an impact on me, but it also has an impact on people around me. These are defiling things. What's the first defiling thing? Murder. Does that impact me? The answer is yes, it does. Ask anybody, a police officer, soldier, somebody like that who's had to kill another person, ask them what it does to them. One of the dreadful things in our society, the first-person shooter games... Because in my era, Vietnam era, to actually get somebody, the, the army, the marines or something, get somebody to actually shoot at another person with intent to kill them was extremely difficult to do. Because they were programmed not to do that. 
to kill another person is a defiling thing. And that's where first-person shooter games are training young men, mostly, to actually hunt other human beings. Are you shocked that we're having as many mall killings and such as we are? They're trained to do it. You're mad at somebody, you just go get a gun and start shooting. But that's a trained thing, it's not a natural thing. Murder is defiling. Adultery is... De what's, what's adultery? Moikea, what's adultery? Yep, that's a married person having sex with somebody other than their spouse. What's the next one? Sexual morality. Do you know what the Greek word is behind that? Behind sexual morality? You probably do and don't know it. What is it? Porneia. Mm -hmm. So the Greek word there is porneia. What's the English word we get from that? Pornography. And what does it mean? Well, we know exactly what that word means. It means any sex outside of marriage. Any sex outside of marriage is defiling according to Jesus. What's marriage according to Jesus? One man, one woman, husband and wife for life. And what Jesus is saying is he is not anti, he is anti-porneia. Now, if you take the Matthew Vine's argument, Jesus never says don't do homosexuality, so he'd be okay with that. Well, Jesus never says don't do incest. Is he okay with incest? Actually, that's coming down the pike, folks. That's coming down the pike. That's coming down the pike. We're going to see it. It's already happening. The idea, we, incest means, you know, an older man with a younger woman or something like that, or an older woman with a younger man. It's going to become legal because consent is a very ambiguous thing. We'll see it happening. It's already out there. It's not called incest. It's called family intimacy. What better place to learn sex than in the context of a loving family? I can show you the stuff. It's coming. The place for seeing it is the MAMBLA, Man-Boy Love Association. It's a very active group. Look at Canada or Netherlands. They're a little bit ahead of us in the cycle. But Jesus is saying any sex outside of marriage is defiling. Is incest defiling? Yes. Is rape defiling? Is Jesus ever anti-rape? The answer is no. He never says don't rape somebody. So is he okay with rape as an exception? No, of course he's not. Here's where categorically he's ruling out any sex outside of marriage, which includes same-sex sexual relationships. So here it is. What is good sex? And again, God is absolutely in favor of good sex. So we've got to define it, however. Good sex is a pleasurable whole person bonding activity between I got interviewed by a reporter from Willamette Week, News with an Edge, up in Portland. It's a pretty left-wing place. I've had some interesting interactions with them, actually positive. But this young reporter was female. I had a picture of a 24-year-old idealistic intern, new cub recorder, and she was talking to me as a hard-shelled old Baptist minister who's anti-everything. And uh, I kept talking about good sex. And the first thing, she started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing about? She said, I just can't believe you're saying this. But see, it's a stereotype that Baptists are, and I'm a Baptist, Baptocostal, actually. Uh, God is for good sex. It's a whole person bonding activity between husband and wife to express, confirm, and deepen their marital relationship. That's one definition. The other definition, a pleasurable recreational activity between consenting adults. Which one is being taught 
in the movies and TV shows. Be without a doubt. Be without a doubt. And it's being taught hard. That's our concern. That's the concern. It's not same-sex stuff that jacks me up. It's this. And what they're saying is good sex is frequent, intense, and pleasurable. And this is being taught in our societies, and it's being bought wholesale. Tinder is kind of the go-to sex app, and people are advertising themselves on Tinder. You go look at it, and you swipe right and pick somebody out and go have a couple hours of fun, intense experience, and then go away and never see each other again. Uh, that's the concern. Or a guy and a gal. Uh, I'm told by young folk they don't like to date anymore. The relational stuff is too complicated. Let's just go have sex. So, which one would you affirm, A or B? Okay, good, just to clarify. How many of you are in favor of good sex beside me? Totally in favor of it. Sure, I have practice regularly just to make sure we still understand it. But it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And see, one of the things I want to correct is this idea that Christians are anti-sex. Because what we teach is so much no, we never teach the yes. It's absolutely. Phil and Faith, I hope, had a really good time last night. You know, awkward because they're new at it, but, you know, it's a learning experience, and it's a fun learning, frankly. Let's talk about it positively and well because it's God's design for a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, not a man and a woman, and it's a good thing. Okay, what's that? What's that? It's a blue line, yeah. And what we're being told is we're supposed to ask. Oh, I pushed the wrong one. I'm sorry. I pushed the wrong one. This is terrible. They told me not to do it, and I just done it. There we go. Okay. L-G-B-T-Q-I-A. What is L? Lesbian, which is what? That's female, female. Uh, what is G? Which is male, male. Those are very different things. Those are very different things. The whole arrangement between two women and two men is drastically different kind of experience. What is B? Bisexual. Uh, what does that mean? I like women and men. That's the one that's actually under attack right now because it's still binary. And this, again, a different talk. The, the, that would be replaced by non-binary. That is, I love people of all genders. How many genders are there? <laughs> no, well, according to Facebook, how many genders? 71 plus define your own. There is a list of 71 genders, depending on which Facebook you're on, 58 or 71, plus define your own. That's the gender queer or gender fluid or non-binary. Uh, so bisexual is antiquated now. What's T? Trans, gender or sexual. What's the difference? Transgender, transsexual. What is transsexual? That's biology. Transsexual is biology. It's your hormonal structures, it's your genitalia. 
transgender is how I see myself and present myself. And they're way different. That's Again, that's another talk. Those two have been separated in the past seven years in ways that's never been done in the history of the world. Transsexual is about changing your biology. So it's using puberty blockers, hormonal structure, hormonal uh, shots and such to change your estrogen or your testosterone so that women who are biologically female with a dollop of hormones now deepen their voice and grow beards uh, and vice versa. Whole big thing, we'll skip that because there's a lot to be said there. What is Q? Questioning or queer. Queer used to be a slam, now it's being adopted by the group. Queer means that I am, I just don't fit the norms. What is uh, I? <laughs> yeah. I is, what, what's the normal meaning of I, I should say? Yeah. Intersex. There is a tiny minority of babies that are born that their genitalia are gender ambiguous. You can't tell if it's a large clitoris or a small penis. 99.98% uh, of kids are male or female. And the, of course, now how about how about gender? How about the genetics? There's a tiny number. I have a pastor friend whose child was just born, a little boy, was born, and his chromosomes are XXY. There's a name for it. That all resolves to male, but there's some stuff they have to do, early treatment, and then at puberty, there's some more treatments, or they end up being infertile. So there's a tiny, tiny, tiny minority that are gender ambiguous, either genetically or genitalia. I, it's almost always, and it's a tiny minority, and it has nothing to do with the transgender thing. There is no connection between intersex and transgender. Uh, what is A? It's either affirming or asexual. There's a rising group of people saying, I'm just not into the sex thing, and they're defining themselves as asexual, other terms like that. Now, what we're being told is we have to pick between gay, bisexual, or straight. So, comes up to me, well, are you gay, bisexual, or straight? And so what I want to ask here, well, this is, this is a lesbian, gay, genderqueer, bisexual, demisexual, transgender, transgender, transsexual, two-spirit, intersex, queer, questioning, asexual, allies, pansexual, panora... And that's just some of them. This is actually... If you could see it, what's up there at the top? Who's this for? Elementary teachers. This is routinely being taught. How early in the elementary schools and schools like Portland Public Schools? From kindergarten. Kids are being taught to be accepting. And uh, this is a training. So... Pistis means what? Any Greekers in here? Pistis means what? Means faithful. Mm -hmm. There is the opposite, porneia, which means what? Sex outside of marriage. Any sex outside of marriage, not just genitalia sex, but lusting or fantasizing or anything like that. And uh, what I'd like to suggest is that's the difference. It's faithful versus 
pornographic? That's the question. So, uh, let me cause you some trouble. This guy, who is this guy? Jesus. <clears throat> what was his sexual experience like? Zero? So he must have been a tortured individual. Can you imagine living your whole life without being sexed? Oh my gosh, don't you feel sorry for that poor guy? Who was oppressing him that made him not express his sexuality? We've got to express our sex or we're being oppressed. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> See, that's the world we're in, that if you do not express yourself sexually, there's something wrong with you. Remember the show, I'm a 40-year-old virgin? So that's, just, that's just mocking. We've just been through the thing with Josh Harris and the purity culture. Mocking it. Who in the world would teach purity? It's just stupid. Of course you have to express your sexuality. And that's the problem that we're really dealing with is that you have to express your sexuality or you're either oppressed or you're something wrong with you. What we're saying here is our Lord chose not to express himself sexually with genit genital sex he certainly had positive relationships with women. He loved Mary and Martha, it says so in John 11. He had deep friendships with, with women, but he was never sexual, unless you're a Mormon. Uh, so that's a myth I want to take down. So, question. I've got some numbers on there. Pistis versus Pernea. Which one gets it right? I've got seven possibilities. Which one gets it right? Trick question. Trick question. Trick question. Because faithfulness is not a scalar, it's a vector. I'm an old math teacher. What's a scalar? Point. What's a vector? Direction and velocity. And what I'd like to suggest to you is the disciples of Jesus affirm the right and move toward it with God's help. That's important. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you affirm what's correct and you move toward it with God's help. So somebody that does not affirm biblical view is not a faithful disciple of Jesus and somebody who's moving away from what Jesus says is not a faithful disciple of Jesus. So let's put in the scalar. Just sorry, put in the vector. Which one is pistis? See, the point of a seven is not. If you look at that as a scalar, it looks like seven is pistis. If you look at it as a vector, he's not because he's headed out. Uh, and then you, we don't have to try to figure out which one it is. I'm actually intrigued with, with two. He's the furthest away, but he's really headed toward Jesus. I know some people like that. Uh, and what, I, what our goal, of course, is to find those people, even though they're currently way out, where are they headed? And we want to help them head toward Jesus. And we can take people who are way out and help them move toward Jesus. We do not judge people from a distance. We help people move toward Jesus no matter how far away they are and that comes through love and serving not condemning and attacking that's an important attitude it seems to me
Okay, question. Which question is the most important? B. Seems to me that A is not a major issue. Now, I will say in front of you that I'm a straight male. I have no homosexual interest at all. I have a lot of close male friends that I deeply involved with, and, and I would say without any shame whatsoever that I love deeply, but it's not a sexual love. Is it romantic? Well, in the tense the way I normally use that, I would say no, but I've got men that I love with a deep affection. Uh, I'll see some of them Tuesday morning at our preaching team. I'll see some others tomorrow morning at our faculty retreat at Western Seminary. And that's the thing that I want to affirm is same-sex friendship is a deep and precious thing. And one of the crazy things in our society, if two men love each other deeply and enjoy being with each other, they're often said, well, you're really gay. And I'd like to say, well, I'll argue about the meaning of the word basically, but this is not a sexual relationship. And that's an important issue. We need to affirm deeply same-sex friendship without becoming sexual in its relationship. So we're going to say here that it's pistis or pernea is the question. Remember, pistis and pernea are scalar, are not scalars, they're vectors. Where are you going is, is more important than where you're at, seems to me. Okay, uh, well, I defined as a disciple of Jesus affirms a right and move toward it God's help or by my sexual attractions and passions which one am I going to define by? We are being constantly asked in our society to define ourselves by our sexual attractions, and I would like to say, as followers of Jesus, reject that. Now, I am absolutely wildly in love with my wife. We have a deep relationship, and that's a key part of my identity, is that I am married and long-term faithful. You won't be around me very long without hearing me talk about my pretty wife because she's essential to my life. Uh, and, but the thing that counts for me most of all is I'm a follower of Jesus. If, Sherry, if I got back to Portland later today and discovered that Sherry died during the night, <laughs> may it not be so. I would be a different person, but I would not change as a follower of Jesus. And that's my most fundamental identity is child of God, and we want to affirm that. All humans bear what? Mm -hmm. That one's easy. Okay, image of God. How many humans bear the image of God? Like, you really mean that? So you think that a gay person has the image of God? How about a sex trafficker? How about, what's his first name? Is it Howard Epstein? the guy who has become pretty infamous right now, a snake for sure, never ever, ever proclaimed Jesus at any level, the image of God? Say yes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and you are. That's, that's a challenging idea, that every single person has dignity as well as depravity is one of those really important things. So Jesus commands us to what? What's the question? What, no, not our neighbor. Jesus defines that. <laughs> what does love mean? Neighbor is the person we have contact with. Uh, and that's pretty strong. I mean, Jesus teaches that with a good Samaritan. The word love is the key thing. So let's play with that a little bit. I love to play with words. 
I love pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Actually, I was thinking I love more than pizza, but you get the point. And I love my enemy. Those two words mean the same thing? Not even slightly. And see, part of the debate that comes up in this thing is what does the word love mean? So let me give you a definition. I love pizza means what? I, I, I desire it for what? For my own pleasure and fulfillment. Is that a legitimate definition of love? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I would put something higher less than pizza, but yeah, I, I, I love Lebanese food. I really do. Uh, I love my enemy, however, has a different meaning. And when I say I love my enemy, a standard definition is I seek to preserve their dignity and welfare even at what? What should I fill in that blank? My own. Mm -hmm. Even at my personal cost. Okay. Two definitions of love. These are not the only ones. You know, C.S. Lewis has his four loves thing, which is brilliant. I, if I put C on there, I love Sherry. Which definition would I use? If I say I love Sherry, my pretty wife, would I use definition A or definition B? Both. 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 When I'm talking about a deep marital relationship, I desire Sherry for my pleasure and fulfillment. I really do. I also desire to be a pleasure and fulfillment to her, and I will serve her at my own personal cost to protect her dignity and welfare. But I think if somebody says, well, I only love with a self-sacrificial love, that's not marital love. I'd say, yes, hands. I see, I'm going to take some questions here. Question. Actually, a comment. Uh, okay. One, I appreciate love you and Sherry being thought mm -hmm. difficult and a struggle. Yep. Truly without answer. That's true. I find it yep. very powerful. Well said. It's amazing. I'll, I'll just absolutely affirm what you're saying. It's amazing how many times I look at people who repulse me at first look and want to hear their story. I find out, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And love means I go ask them their story. And it is transformational. Yeah. Other questions or comments before we go on? Yes. Uh, what about the word homosexual? Uh, the word homosexual is a recent word. It's only been in the English language for about a century. Uh, and the, the word is less common these days. And the, the gay community never uses it. So I tend not to because it comes with a very negative tone. Uh, so uh, the people who would be a few years ago would call homosexual uh, prefer the term gay. I'm not willing to give them that term unabashed because my father's nickname, his name is Galen, and he was known as gay. He stopped using that term toward the end of his life because uh, it became a, a word for homosexual. Uh, but I tend to use people's preferred language. 